Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me, we got David Gold. Gold. <laughs> I like gold. <laughs> also known as Nightly. Other in there, we got Freddie. Always coming at spoopy. Always and forever, also known as Nighty Nights. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. By pledge on Patreon, you have access to the show ad-free and as early as Monday with a post-show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday. On most podcast services around the world. Now, before we even like jump into this and all of this whole thing to conclude our month off for Hispanic Horror Month, I mean, this month has been incredible, first and foremost, but there are a couple of things that we actually have to kind of do first. And one of those things being that we actually announced this a little bit ago, but officially the folks who are our patrons as of right now have met the cutoff date for gifting, which I'm excited because we've never done this before. First time ever. This is the first time ever. I am super stoked about it. I didn't think we would be in a position to do something like this. So thank you all for honestly becoming patrons and being awesome and wanting to pretty much decide to support us financially like that's absolutely incredible and i'm super grateful and i'm sure everyone at this table is super grateful Most <laughs> yeah. so no thank you all so much and i want to give a big shout out to our new supporters as well we got in this month gosh i think it was five new patrons wow. which blew my fucking mind but thank you so much to Stuart, brandon monica anna stephanie calvin andrew g matt andrew m scary stuff podcast samantha patrick uh willow taylor jessica sandy jared petra jasmine Chantel, rio mark jesse joe kaylee rob eric day Freddie, thank You're you, Freddie. <laughs> my grandmother Yvonne and my mom Lola. Thank y'all so much. Y'all are wild beyond belief. But yes, you are going to be receiving a gift during the holiday season of next month. Very excited for all y'all to receive this gift. Sorry for the folks who are a bit more on the international side. You are still receiving a gift, but you probably aren't going to get it next month. It might come around January or so. But hopefully it gets there sooner than later. But Thank y'all all so much for supporting the dream. It, honestly, seriously, I, I'm beyond words. <laughs> I love you so fucking much. Supporting the nightmare. It's insane. I yeah. mean, yes, 100%. <laughs> yes. But what both of y'all said, support the nightmare. And yeah, we do love y'all a lot. But concluding this month off with Guillermo del Toro's The Devil's Backbone. Not his first movie, but I think it's his second I was going to say his second. Yeah, I think it's his second, um, if I'm not mistaken. This was made in 2001. His first movie, I think, was in 93. Mm. So, oh, shit. yeah, which was Kronos, one of my favorite movies. But first and foremost, gentlemen, thoughts. Should I go first this time? 
Go for it. Okay, okay. Let's do it. I fucking love this movie. Uh, <laughs> this was kind of like right up my alley. Um, this reminded me of a lot of things. It reminded me of Tigers Are Not Afraid. This also reminded me of Pan's Labyrinth, which is also Grandma del Toro. Which is, um, this is technically the prequel to um, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it really is. Um, it also kind of reminded me a little bit of the Goonies for some reason. I think it's just like it's the, the charisma yeah. of the kids and stuff like that. And they're all like working together and there's like really good vibes and stuff like that. But that's one of the big things. It's very charismatic. Also keeping it very spooky and very scary at times. But I feel like the scary elements of this movie or in the background where the whole storyline of what's actually going on is actually scary itself. Dude, the um, war? Oh, my God. Yeah. The Spanish Crazy. War in general was fucking terrifying. Um, but there's also a great score. You have that Toro flair that he has, and it's one of his earlier works. And I'm like, why does this movie look so great? Oh, that's because there's a great guy behind the camera. He knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. And he doesn't do, like, crazy camera work, but he has his own signature, and you totally see it. But it's very mysterious. I love the whole bomb concept of just the, just lying there, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Uh, it always creates a sense of suspense, even though it's like, hey, that can go off at any time. It's like, maybe. Uh, if a kid not. kicks it wrong. Or- <laughs> right. But that's the whole thing. It's the whole situation can go off at any time. Yeah. So it's like great symbolic uh, imagery for that, too, of just being in that environment. And it's very, like, uh, I, I don't even know. The set design of this place looks great, too. It's very atmospheric, I would say. Yeah, they really had do a great job of having different layers of like where they sleep at night, where they go outside, where the bomb is, where they go underground, where there's like that pool thing. Um, there's a the lot pit, of layers. I to think it. is what they called it. The pit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Just great practical effects. I mean, just that great ghost. special effects. Like we gotta talk about that ghost kid. Yeah, <laughs> like, love the design of that. Oh man, remind me of like Japanese horror. Yes. Yeah, like it, 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 was, it was really, really good. I was gonna say, I'll, I was gonna say for my thoughts, but I, the ghost design feels very Del Toro. Yeah, like without yeah. a doubt, the very, very blood. much so. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, it just, fuck, so good. What's great about the design is that it invokes so much in the sadness of the death, like. Uh, the ghost's skin is that of like stone pavement with yeah. cracks in it because Super of pale white. how the murder happened. And then, of course, with the floating blood after being drowned. Right. Right. Did you have anything else you want to say, Freddie? No, that's pretty yeah. much it. I, I mean, I like this movie a lot. I'm glad I hear it. Um, yeah. I, this movie trips me out because uh, Carlos looks so much like my nephew who lives in Mexico at that age. Uh, oh, like shit. Dead ringer. <laughs> so it was a trip the whole time I was thinking about my nephew. Um, but yeah, this movie is very melancholic to me. Like just, it's just, it invokes so much sadness when I watch it, especially with yeah. during happening, it happening during the Spanish war. Yeah. Um, and it, it's crazy because it, it, it makes me just think about the sad tragedies that can happen. And then, you know, they're all small children. So, um, not only is it horror, but it just, it just feels like almost like a novella to me. Um, right. and, and it's, but it still has that whimsical child approach from it because, like, I will say that it the moments may not be all too scary, but through the lens of a child, it's it's terrifying, right? Especially when you have moments like where Jaime is seeing what happened to Santi firsthand and yeah. not being able to say anything and living with that. Also with the surroundings of being um, around Jacinto the whole time. It's just it that's terrifying to me. Um and how quickly people can just go, especially when these kids have lost, you know, their whole life already. Uh, I think it's it's this movie is 
painted in a very beautiful way. I agree. Um, yeah, like like I said, it, it kind of invokes like a, a novella to me uh, with aspects of horror, with great uh, creature design. Um, I feel like I wanted more. I want I I I think because I was really starting to get into it um, towards the end, and it, it, it the climax is quick, and then uh, you have the ending, and I think what I would love to see from this is maybe a sequel. Um, but I don't think there's much you can do after leaving the orphanage, right? right? I think I'm more curious about the kid's fate. But overall, I think it's a, it's, it's a beautiful told story. Yeah. Have you seen P- Pond's Labyrinth? I have not. So it's not a sequel technically directly to this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what uh, Del Toro explains it as. Like it's, it's the sister. Got it. Per, uh, pretty much of it to where it's still surrounding the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. um, which I think was like a three year war or something like that. But it's still surrounding that particular aspect of the war. But it's from the Republican side mm. versus the um, I think they call themselves the Rojos. Um, so the, I'm like, tr- like trying to dig real deep back into European history in high school <laughs> right now. Um, but like that's that's where initially all of that kind of concept came from and we actually had to watch this movie in european history class oh wow and um we also watched pan's labyrinth um as well because it just came out around that time um so it was super fascinating kind of seeing it in the perspective of this director um now real quick before we jump into it i did ask you both a particular question uh, prior to this Mm -hmm. and um this is something we can also kind of go more in depth on inside the post show i don't want to spend too much time on it but um the question i do have is how do you feel with del toro's history del toro being from guadalajara mexico um mainly casting and doing films that are kind of predominantly white um where he has his films either in spain or america kind of thing so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Both of you being from uh, Hispanic descent. I'm just curious. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting question because I think those that are from Latin culture can kind of come to a quick consensus with this. Um, and I'm not too familiar with many Del Toro films. I've seen just only a couple. Yeah. Um, but being... So for context, I am a passing white... Latino American. And um, I think in our culture, um, there is history of putting lighter skin Hispanics on a pedestal, right? Right. It has in in our culture in the past has been deemed as, I guess, more beautiful or like there are like, it's tough to say because I am of lighter complexion. So it makes me a little uncomfortable speaking on these aspects sometimes. But sure. um, through other Latinos that I know, um, you know, our culture has a way of like jokingly making fun of like those on darker complexion side or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are certain phrases for, for those that are lighter skin or darker skin. And I think overall, what I'm trying to say is for many, many years, the, the, the culture has seen from what I perceive um, lighter skin to be um, more attractive or more wanted, right? And through that, I could see Del Toro being conditioned in a way to put those people on screen more than being a uh, having a platform where they he can put people of color um, on screen because it is a very important topic that 
you know, these are um, these are windows for for those areas of opportunity for people of color to uh, shine where because uh, lighter skin or whiter people take up that place. Right. Yeah. It's tough because in this film, like you have a lot of white people, but I don't know the actors themselves. Like um, it's tough because you're talking about race and and ethnicity. Right. Right. You can be white, but you can be Latino. You can be Hispanic. You can still be of Spanish descent or Hispanic descent, whatever um, you would like to label it as. But when you speak on ethnicity, it's uh, it's tough because, you know, you can have an actor in this movie that may be seen as white or passing white. But still be, you know, Guatemalan, Mexican, Nicaraguanse, Salvadorian, whatever. But it's tough. Like, who's to say, like, oh, you're not Hispanic because you're of a lighter complexion. But at the same time, those people do have more advantage over people of color. So it's a very, very complicated question. Mm -hmm. Overall, I think my arching thought is that Del Toro probably comes from a similar cultural background where it, it had been conditioned that especially like with his age, like, oh, in his time when he was younger, the movie stars, they're, they're, they're of lighter complexion, right? That's yeah. who you put on camera. And I think in 2021, we're seeing that people are really putting more of an effort to uh, not let those same type of people take up so much space and uh, make the platform a lot more equal for those of uh, different backgrounds and cultures and... Um, Especially where um, they have more of an opportunity to shine. It's tough, though. Uh, I'm curious to hear Freddie's thought because um, as someone that is, you know, bi-ethnic and, but also passing white, it's very uncomfortable for me to talk about sometimes because it, it almost feels like I'm not worthy to speak on it. But I sure. think it's important to talk about. I can understand I'm that. on the same page as David. <laughs> because, yeah, I also like... And the big thing is like, oh... It was weird, like, someone's like, oh, Freddie, you know you're a person of color. I'm like, no, like, I'm not, but I am. But right. But I, you, like, but same thing, like, it's hard. I, it's, I go it's... by passing of, like, I look white 100%. Right. Yeah. But, like, at the same time, like, oh, people will come up to me and just assume I speak Spanish. I'm like, oh, how do you know? It's like, it blows my mind. I'm, I'm like, it's confusing for me, for my own identity. And I think it's when we watched, or when I first saw La Llorona for the first time, before we did it on the podcast, I dove really deep into, like, my, like, my heritage, history, my culture, yeah. my history, everything. I was just like, because my I was like, oh, did this really happen? I need to do more research. I hit up my sister. My sister's always on it. <laughs> so she gave me all like the articles, the research. I was like, all right, that's cool. I learned the whole history of Guatemala. I'm Guatemalan, if you guys didn't know. Um, oh, yeah, I guess for context, I'm half Salvadorian, half Palestinian. That's yes. probably important. Yeah. I pass as white, but 0% Caucasian, I guess, yeah. as far as ethnicity. But then race is a whole other conversation. <laughs> right. See, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. I'm, yeah. I'm half Italian, half Guatemalan. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting for me to see that Guillermo del Toro is from Guadalajara, which I've been to. And there's so much culture there. and So, so much, much culture. I've been there three times. I have family yeah. there. Yeah. See, I, I've never been there, but I know how rich the history is yeah. there and how the stories prevail. There's so much history in just Mexico itself where... It's interesting that he doesn't pick that as a setting. Yeah. Being someone who grew up there. and It's intriguing. Knowing so much stuff around there. And he picks Spain, I guess. But... I mean, and there's... Um, a- I don't want anyone to think like there's anything wrong with that. Like, he can... Show whatever he wants to show. Obviously, right. it's that still but a topic to be brought up. exactly and because it's just when I was researching this. A there's pattern. Plenty of articles <laughs> talking about this. Yeah. Um. 
and I didn't even know he made a Pinocchio movie, but apparently that Pinocchio movie is completely like whitewashed as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that I have to dive deeper myself personally to like really say something, but I yeah. don't know too much. It's but I, I'm more aligned with what David was talking about. Yeah, right. It, it makes perfect it's sense. It's so tough because I think a lot of people, when it comes to these conversations, um, can really approach it with a. Uh, black and white mentality and talking about colors versus like ambiguity ambiguity the ambiguity instead of the gray the shades of gray when sure. it comes to, yeah. to this right and the uh, ambiguity ambiguity Dude, i was like should i take my retainers out before the no show? you're good like, no. you're good no um, worries but <laughs> it's tough right because you can't I mean, you could. This can be a whole episode. <laughs> we we can we can even yeah. talk more about it in the post show yeah. as well. That I'll way say we this really quickly. A little, little more time, but you, yeah, go for it. You can you can come into this conversation with emotion, but I think it's better to come in with facts, right? Yes, right. because this is an easy conversation to get emotional uh, emotional about, rightfully so. But it's tough because yes, Del Toro has the the opportunity to uplift a lot of people that may not have light shine on them as much as they should. But um, that's the people putting all the weight of responsibility onto Del Toro. And who knows if he's someone that wants that responsibility, right? But who gets to decide? Because he is a storyteller from Guadalajara, is he just dedicated to uplifting those others? Or is it his responsibility? That's a whole different conversation. And it's true. That could be a whole podcast in itself. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's it's very true. It's the whole thing where, like, the, the concept of Tim Burton, for example, mm. how Tim Burton very blatantly says that he will not cast people of color in his movies. Wow. And, and whether it Way be... Yeah. I, right, whether it be live action or stop motion, like, he just plain was just like, no, like, that's just, to me, it's like it's something about, like, them not blending in or something. It, it was a very See, odd statement. And I hear that, <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's wrong. Right. I, and again, I, I'm not too familiar, because Freddie did bring up, there's a lot of uh, conversation about this topic with Del there Toro. Is, yeah. And I don't know if Del Toro is on the same scale where he's like, I refuse, or it's like, because it, I think what's very important is intent. When yes. you tell me yeah, that, yeah, yeah. there's a clear intent of what I will say is racism. Right. But yes, if someone, that's what it is quite blatantly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard. It's hard because something like intent is not something you can uh, put on paper or put on a metric when it yeah. comes to someone. Like, we'll never, if Del Toro says like, oh, it's something I'm not even aware that I do. Sure. The intent is not there. And some people will say, well, the ignorance is, right, is right. a privilege in its own. Yeah. Um, so it, it, we could go really deep yeah. into this and, and I would love to talk more about this, but let's, Officially jump into it. Uh, the Devil's Backbone, directed by Guillermo del Toro, released October 11th of 2001 with a runtime of one hour and 46 minutes, a budget of $4.5 million, and a box office of 6.5 mil. A rating of 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa. Nice. 92. So. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised. Uh, you huh. know, I didn't even give my thoughts now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think this movie is good, but I personally i'm just okay with the yeah movie. that's how i was going to open my thoughts i was like this movie was all right yeah me. like, like it, not, i was okay i'm not knocking movie. it but, yeah um I've only, this was my second time watching it this huh. movie made me sad watching it yeah the yeah, first time i watched I it was in high school that's so. a me thing 
I think I was like, oh, kids are getting hurt. This is yeah, bad. yeah. I thought about you when I watched those. Like, honestly, scenes, I was like, Damn, <laughs> honestly, I thought of you guys time. thinking of me. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't. I I will be honest. I didn't think you. I was trying to finish this before I got to Disneyland. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, we open to the Casadas. Uh, Casadas uh, speaking as the camera moves deeper into a room. He asked the questions, quote, what is a ghost? A tragedy condemned to repeat itself time and again. Although it sounds a lot sexier in Spanish. I'm yeah, just dude, say. The, this, the dialogue <laughs> in this movie, if you understand the Spanish, is like very wow. poetic. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not going to lie. Like I, this movie technically is available on Amazon Prime. However, it didn't work for me. So I had to rent it, um, which I was fine with. But it's also available on this uh, Spanish streaming network. That's what I signed up for. And I oh, signed no up way. for it. So cool. I wasn't able to get the, the English subtitles for it. Oh, yeah, mine wouldn't Weird. work, and I read that like it works. It just for some reason it didn't work with the platform I had. Oh, weird. it was very interesting, but it worked on my Apple TV app where I can get the the things. But I was in LA, so I didn't have my Apple TV. App. I was really lucky because uh, I was going to rent it. It was like it was for five dollars on iTunes. And I was like, okay, I'll buy it. And I bought it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I bought it. Try on Pantaya. Yeah, Pantaya. that's that's what I did as well. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, but <laughs> cut to a, a missile dr- missiles dropping down onto the ground. The man continues, quote, an instant of pain, perhaps, end quote. A boy's head is gashed while another is trying to assist, gasping as he covers his mouth. The boy is thrown in the water by the, by, well, presumably it makes it look like it's the other boy. Um, uh, he cries over the water as he watches him sink down into the bottom. And I do love how vicious this is in the beginning, where it's just like, holy shit, what's happening? But yeah, then- I remember. I mean, you guys know this. I love when questions arise immediately, and surprising. So I forgot about this scene once we got like oh sure twenty minutes into the movie. That's fair. Like I totally <laughs> forgot about it. That's fair. But I think that works to a favor because when when we, we come back again, to it, I'm like, yeah. oh fuck, that's yeah. right, yeah, yeah. right. I thought the bomb landed on him. well that's it you walked away gotcha you're good (laughs) it was very interesting i had so many thoughts because i'm like a big batman fan as well and i was like oh what is this is this like the um, i forget what it's called but like the water to like revive him like is he coming back to life sure i was like this is some crazy shit nah he dead dead dead, dead, (laughs) cut to an orphan carlos being driven to uh, oh my gosh being driven by two men ayala and dominguez on a dusty road ayala commenting that they're almost there they get out of the car the driver hiding a gun as they get out of the car a group of men and children are pulling things off a pickup bed one in particular watching as they enter enter through the large doors once inside the orphanage carlos sees the other children walking up to a dead missile in the middle of the ground. He places his hand on it while a woman approaches them, sharing that the missile is diffused. He knocks on the, on the missile as the woman... T- uh, I would not have done that. <laughs> as the woman tells, tells the man to follow her. Ayala tells Carlos to wait for him... Wait for him there, and he won't be long. They continue following the woman, questions who the men were outside the orphanage. She answers that it is the caretaker and his helpers. And... um. We we learn later that the caretaker is just a complete asshole. Like, is this Juancito? Is that his name? Juancito? Uh, Jacinto? Jacinto? Yeah. yeah, he's a fucking dick. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, while they're walking inside, a man in a suit named Dr. Casadas is watching from above before shutting the windows. I fucking love this introduction to Dr. Casadas, by the way, because <laughs> we see that he's in that same location where he ends. 
he starts in the oh, same location yeah, he's just on where the he other ends. window. Yes. Ooh. It I love that. Yeah, because he's looking into the courtyard with his introduction and then yes. it's just assume that it's on the other side right yeah wow I, I love that i love that aspect of him being in the same place where we first meet him and him ending in the place where we leave him that's amazing much. i love that the administrator carmen asks what's going on he tells her that they um that ayala and dominguez have a ride and um that ayala is wounded she sucks her teeth at, um that they're always in trouble and i actually like that Carmen kind of like knows everybody like she's just like nah, I know them like yeah like she's just pretty cool with everyone but there's an interesting like subplot in this movie with her and Juan Cinto <laughs> like oh my goodness pretty fucked up. it was it was a bit much yeah. <laughs> um he also I don't remember this and I think it's because my high school teacher probably skipped, through skipped it. it yeah because <laughs> I do not remember that you part at all I was just like, like I was like what the fuck was this about I always thought they flirted and I didn't I do not remember that at all and I'm pretty sure that's what happened shout out to Mr. Woods <laughs> he also mentions that they brought another boy this stops her working sighing that they have enough children she unlocks her leg brace and is ready to meet meet with them meanwhile Carlos is picking up a slug inspecting it I love Carlos yeah he's a I weird guess. child he is he's a very strange child but what this child evokes to me is just pure innocence yes that's the best that's way true. to put it and like i feel like that's exactly what he oozes just mm-hmm. he oozes innocence yep and i i love that i like that we are meant to care about him right off the bat like you, you look at this kid and be like that kid's odd but i feel like i need to protect him right like and we get that line later from carmen where she's like Telling um, Casadas like hang out with him for a little bit. He seems timid. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's a well drawn out character. He is. Learn more and more right from him. the bat. Yeah, and I, I love his arc as well. Like I really like that. Honestly, <laughs> it's gonna seem interesting. Um, he's Arnold from Hey Arnold. That's can, exactly who he is. I can see that. Like he's Arnold from Hey Arnold. He just wants to help everyone. Like he doesn't want to seem like the, the that kid who gets picked on or whatever like he just is innocence yeah like he's innocence and he's empathy that's what he is yeah. so that's a good point yeah the caretaker Juancito um is hammering a stick into the ground a boy named Jaime is watching him Carlos puts the slug in a box looking at the doorway where he sees the ghostly boy Santi from earlier he turns his attention away from for a moment uh, but when he looks back, Santi is gone. Carlos goes inside the boiler room, seeing th- the shadow of Santi going down the set of stairs. This looks fucking awesome. Yeah. This looks incredible. All of this really screams Del Toro to me, which is why we see the creatures all the time in his films. But like, I, I love that he has this kid look like this. Like, this kid looks genuinely fucking scary. Yeah. Like, he looks really scary. And I I picture this as, like, like I said earlier, like, it reminds me of the ghost of, of Japan. Like, I, I picture that, like, with the, the contacts in his eyes mm-hmm. and the pale white faces. Like, it reminds me of, like, the ring or the grudge. Or, and it's uh, around the same time, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah that's true yeah. as well. Yeah, I didn't, so, I didn't even think of that. There's but, yeah. probably a lot of inspiration, I think. I'm sure. I mean, it has to be, right? Would it be the same year, 2001, or... Uh, the ring um, came out in, I mean, in, 1990, sorry, in 1998. I said the ring, but I meant to say the grudge, but yeah. Yeah. 
So you're right. So our post ring. So yeah, right. There's probably inspiration. Is, that's a good point to bring up too. This movie is 2001, so it's 20 years old. Still right. looks great. Oh, it's special effects. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This looks fantastic. The boys of Galvez and Al. I love that his name's Al, and I like that he doesn't talk. <laughs> um, are standing in a doorway asking him if he's the new kid and if he uh, has anything to eat. And they ask him if he has, like, bread or something. Um, he shakes his head. They introduce themselves, Gavez explaining that Al doesn't speak much. Carlos introduces himself and walks with them as they continue asking him if he has food. The reflection of Santi staring at the boys walking away. And I like that. I like that Santi is just always present no matter what, whether they're looking or not. Like that's just that's he's always been there. They all thought he left, but he's always been there. Exactly. And I we can we don't really get like how long ago Santi died, but we can assume that it was what, a month? I think the if good, that a, a that good reason? gauge yeah. of time would be looking at how much the um the missile the has missile. like Dropped. degraded. Right. That's yeah. true. And it didn't degrade much. Yeah, it's still rusted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah apparently but, still ticking. Yeah, apparently still ticking, but diffused. <laughs> Got to um, Casadas and Carmen telling Ayala and Dominguez that they can't accept another boy. Dominguez shares that Carlos is the son of their comrade who died. Ayala adding that he doesn't know yet. That sucks. Great. He makes a comment about her husband being a leftist and un- a brave man. She cuts him off that she was the brave one and her husband was a man of books who decided to die and leave her to defend his ideals. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. Glad to see you are very upset with his death. While Casadas is sticking his um is uh stitching his arm, she continues a scenario about the nationalists arriving um someday um finding Rojos looking after Rojos children. And I love the ideology of their faction and how much they lean on that. That's really really class to me. She throws two gold bars on the table old <laughs> commenting that she can't keep it anymore and they uh they want to leave carlos then take the gold um and they can uh, at least buy guns with it dominguez puts the gold in his bag commenting that they can't and that they are crossing enemy lines soon ayala asks her to decide if the boys goes hungry and if if he goes hungry in there or if he's killed out there Great. <laughs> it's a really hard decision, right? That's because, a like, tough decision. You ha- they're leaving him behind because they know he'll be better off. Right. But even though it's it's a shitty situation regardless. Yeah, it's a shitty situation all around. This right? scene is very interesting because it gives off a lot of exposition of like what's going on. Outside. During this time and yeah. everything. And it doesn't feel forced. It feels very genuine, like a normal conversation. Yeah, it doesn't hold your hand. Which, right. Like, even though there's a lot of exposition. There's three writers attached to this with Guillermo del Toro also being one of those writers. And Guillermo del Toro has proven to be such a great writer. And this just kind of proves like he's good at telling the story. Yeah. And it kind of feels like a fairy tale in a way. Yeah. Which we kind of get more in his next movie. I'm in intrigued to also see what he does with this is not nothing to Nightmare do with this Alley. movie not Nightmare Alley Nightmare Alley is um I can tell what that's probably going to be but um with uh he got Haunted Mansion oh that's right that was a passion that. project of yeah. his that he wanted for fucking that years that was one of the reasons why he started movies yeah. Yeah. and he like puts the Haunted Mansion wallpaper in all his gothic films so like Crimson Peak um uh Shape of Water stuff like that so he wanted like he begged for (laughs) that movie and now he has it so I'm very intrigued what he's going to do with that we'll see the whistles at all the children inside of the school 
while Gavez and Al are checking out uh, Carlos's comics. He asked if he asked to trade his uh, favorite marble from China or one that Al made from snot and mud. Great. I'll take the snot and mud, please. Uh, Jaime comes over, snatching the comic out of Al's hands. Carlos steps um, steps up to him, telling him that it is his. Jaime asking if he's staying. He says no, and that he came with his tutor, Ayala. Jamie, or, or Jamie, Jaime asks, uh, I spelled Jamie, but I meant Jaime. Jaime asks, what is a tutor? Carlos sharing that he looks after him while his father is away. While rolling up the comic book, Jaime uh, calls him posh, slapping him to take the comic away from him. Mm -hmm. He pushes Jaime, and they start wrestling until Gavez stops him to look. Ayala is outside, dropping down a suitcase, leaving him at the door. Fuck. I thought of you, Prince, when when I saw this scene. Because we spoke about on the podcast that we used to have nightmares like this. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And we're like, oh, wait. And then we were like, we're children of abandonment. That makes sense. It is so true. Carlos J. The- <laughs> yeah, I mean, because this was the, the scariest scene to me in the whole movie. I mean, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Because, like, at that point, like, you know, like, okay, all hope is lost. Yeah. Like, it just feels like that. Yeah. Carlos chases him, chases after him, picking up a suitcase, chasing after them as they drive away. Uh, he goes back to his suitcase with tears falling from his face. Carmen asks for Casadas to stay with him for a bit, calling him meek, knowing that um, they will get along. He goes over to help Carlos with his suitcase, picking up his comic, asking him questions about it. Carmen heads back inside. Cut to Carlos and Casadas in the boiler room, fixing the handle to the to the suitcase. Casadas explains that there are three teachers left, one of them being Alma, who teaches math and reading. And then Carmen, Carlos wonders uh, if she is his girlfriend. And I was intrigued by that. I was intrigued um, that he wondered that. It was his girlfriend, like what gave that vibe off so quickly. I think it's normal for a young boy to think. That's fair. I think if you just see two adults next to each other and then. Why, I mean, why wouldn't he say esposa? Like, why wouldn't he assume it was his wife? That's a good point. Your I mean, age, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Intrigued. Um, Casadas comments that, uh, that she is uh, the principal. And like he like kind of laughs but like shugs and I was like no I wish no like 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 I wish I was but not not, not really <laughs> she's the principal but like we kind of like you know I tell her poems like you know it's nothing no it's nothing <laughs> Carlos questions why did they leave him there and why why can't he be with his father Casadas tells him that he will be staying with them for a while asking for him to uh, be patient Carlos is following Carmen down the hall he drops his soap. She tells him, don't drop your soap <laughs> because he has to keep that soap for a whole year. Jeez. Oh, my God. I go through soap like, I don't know. A month. A month. Yeah. yeah. Probably a month. It's normal. Like, what geez. if you said something weird like three months and we all were like, what? <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> like, mine's just like yeah, a month. That for three months, seven days. All right. <laughs> three months, seven days, two hours. And <laughs> um, or Not he would be punished to two weeks of extra tasks. Yeah. He picks up this, his soap of following her into a, uh, into a shared orphanage room. Uh, did you have something, Freddie? Sorry. Well, I was about to say, like, what, like right, you get the two weeks extra chores and stuff like that. What do you do? A soap check? It's like, all right, kids, nine months in. Show yourself, baby. I think it's more so like, hey, you came up to us and you're like, I lost my soap. Right, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give you a reason to use the new soap you get. There you go. <laughs> she waits uh, She waits at, um, at bed 12, tapping the number with her cane, letting him know that uh, this is his bed. He asks why the bed is empty. Or why the beds are empty. She answers that some boys ran away, but she doesn't advise it because it is at least a day's walk into town. And I like how she comments this because 
they believe Santi ran away. Mm -hmm. So that was very fascinating. She jangles the keys, taking one off off to um, hand it to him for his locker, smiling that uh, this isn't a prison. The bell rings and the boys come running into the room to their beds. Jaime is glaring at Carlos as he heads to his bed, noticing that he has Santi's bed. Juancito is sitting around eating uh, with his help. They are, and I don't know what their names is. I just know one of them is named Pig. Oh, the yeah, older, right. yeah. Yeah. I hoodlum think. one, hoodlum two. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> hoodlum one and hoodlum two. Um, the hoodlums. The hoodlums. <laughs> They're commenting about him being far away from the war, but he still complains. They ask what can be better. Um, Concita quickly chiming in with uh, Granada. And I guess this was a place, right? Mm. Like her dream to have a farm or something mm-hmm. um, in, in Granada. Um, they wonder why why there. She tries to rub Juancito's head, sharing that, that they could get married and have a farm. And he's like not into this, right? Like he's, very he's distant, like, very like, yeah, oh, don't touch me. Or well, I think he's trying to he's trying to act cool in front of, of these fucking cool dudes. His boys. Yeah, yeah like, like it's just like whatever. Like, 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 like don't touch me. Affection. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's he's it's an yeah, asshole. But you gotta <laughs> also realize that I mean he. I mean, he grew up in the orphanage that we'll soon right. find out, and he he probably doesn't he has this affectionate, plan. affectionate, affection all that well. He has his plan, like you said. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think growing up in that situation through boyhood and adolescence and adulthood, like, you become cold like that. Yeah. No, as we fair. see with his character. I think the relationship just exists because she's there and he's there. Exactly. He doesn't truly care about her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's there for sense. one reason, one reason only. It's like, yeah. I'm not going to marry you. I'm not going to be in some farm. Like, don't touch right. me. Yeah. yeah. As we see later, he very much does not give a fuck about Conchita. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he does not care about her or Conchita. Um, she walks back into the in, into the kitchen as one of them uh, as one of them continues their questions if they know anyone in Granada. Juancito comments that he doesn't know, he doesn't need to need anyone and that he's managed fine on his own. His friend adding also without parents. They are prepping to go. Juancito remembering that Ayala and Dominguez were there for the gold. They mock him, but he's he but he knows they will. Um, pulling out a couple of keys so that he's going to try them all and to let them know how it goes. They still don't care, asking if he um, if he has cigarettes. He doesn't, and they are on their way. While they're leaving, Conchita lights up a cigarette. Conchita <laughs> commenting that she doesn't like them. Now, this part is actually very fucking fascinating right here. Now, he's telling them all of this stuff of, like, they have gold, I know they have gold, like, we can split this, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever. But... With him saying this, and then the whole concept of like, do you have a cigarette? He doesn't trust them. Yeah. So like, he, since he doesn't have, he has this lack of trust. That shows that like, like okay, I can't trust these dudes like entirely. And we see later that his premonition's correct. Interesting. I took it as like he is very self centered, greedy. Yeah. Like Freddie said, he has a cigarette, but he wants it for himself. I see that too. Yeah. I think he just needs help from them to like get the gold and get away. That's exactly yeah. what I think. So they like, have the car. Yeah. Like, Which is weird because the orphanage also has a car. They do. Yeah. But I think the keys are 
initially, which I don't even fucking in the 1930s. I don't know. Did the, well, the okay. Key, do so I wanted to keys or cards. Like, are you crank a car? Like, what do you do with a car in the bring, 1930s? Yeah, I wanted to bring up the keys. Silent Night. What do you do with a car in the 1930s? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they Flintstone. And uh... well, it's interesting. So when we're when <laughs> Carmen is uh, yeah, but never do. <laughs> when Carmen is taking uh, Carlos to his bed, I love the subtle touch of her checking her keys and just like kind of pausing for a second. Yeah. And we'll, and then here we have Hans, uh, Cinto saying, like, I'm going to try all these keys out. Right. One's going to work. One's going to, it has to work. Has to get those I, keys. I love how we find out later I get those keys. And they make her sick. He rebuttals that um, this place makes him sick, sharing a story about him be, um, being there as a child, dreaming and praying that he was rich so he can buy the orphanage and tear it down. She tells him to forget it while placing her her head on his shoulders. But he doesn't want, he doesn't want anyone to know he spent 15 years there. He's embarrassed. She responds that she is glad that he came back. The wind wisps through. He suggests that they go back to his room since it is getting cold. He assists her inside, the camera turning around, showing Carmen listening to their conversation. Interesting. Uh, And you still let this man in. Uh, But, I mean, she knows that, like, none of those keys work. Like, like, I feel like she genuinely knows. Just like, I don't think she knows that he's trying to go for this gold, but she knows it's something shady about shady about him. Well, it's very interesting because, like, I mean, she's raising these kids, and right. she's someone that's been there since he was an Such infant. It seems yeah. like, or like a toddler, fifteen years, right? fifteen years, right? Yeah. So he's early twenties, I think. Right? Yeah, has to be. Fade to the room with the boys all sleeping, Carlos awake and crying in his bed. This shot is fucking magnificent. Like, the, the darkness, the way the lights shine through their windows on yeah. top of them, this just looks absolutely miraculous. He reads the, scra- the scratches of Santi's name on the dresser. He hears whispering, sitting up, um, seeing the silhouette of, Sh- of Santi. And I assume it was whispering his name, right? Was it like, Carlos? Like- I think at this point, it's inaudible. It's not, okay, okay. Mm. Maybe you're right. Um, he, he asks who he is, moving the curtain back, but nobody is there. Wiping his eyes, he moves the covers down from the bed. More whispers. He searches around, looking underneath the beds. A pitcher of water falls down, then another. He bends down, um, seeing the wet footprints on the ground and, his, and uh, Santi running down the hall. The other boys wake up, asking him what he's doing. Jaime asks what's going on. His little goons blames Carlos for knocking over the water. You bitch ass. Like, <laughs> he comes up to him, um, telling him to come on and get more water out, out of the kitchen. Carlos wonders if that is prohibited. Jaime mentions that nobody has ever been caught. Another boy asking about the uh, the one who sighs. I love that. I love love that kind of whole aspect of like there's a ghost here. Right. Everyone knows there's a ghost here, and I love that they give him this this uh, very story, legendary name with yeah. this ghost story behind it. Yeah, this is it's really great. It's, it's like a campfire story of like the ghost that sighs, right? No yeah, no, but we'll tell you about it. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, are you afraid you of the dark? But ask who's the ghost that sighs, or why right. does he sigh? It's such a right. good name too. It's a, a great name. Yeah, it's it's a chilling name for sure. The great practical effects with like the water and the little footprints. I love oh that. yeah, that was so awesome. Good. Carlos asks who that is. Jaime um, has the picture in his hand, egging and mocking Carlos. He tells Jaime, Jaime that he isn't, and I think he calls him like chicken shit or some shit. Um, he tells Jaime that he isn't taking the picture, but he will only go on one condition if Jaime goes with him, egging him on next. Smart move. 
They are going into the kitchen, the other boys eagerly watching uh, them through the windows, although my ass would have been like, man, fuck y'all. Well, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what the fuck you call me. You would fill that shit yourself. Yeah. Uh, Carlos and Jaime are walking toward the, mo- the missile, Jaime not believing that it is no longer active, claiming that if you put your ear to it, you can still hear it ticking, calling it the heartbeat. Carlos puts his ear to it. Conchita comes out of her room, and they hide behind the missile. They watch her as she is in the kitchen with Juancito, um, or... Uh, they are making out the two boys watching from outside until um, Jaime tells him uh, to come on. By the way, his name's not Juancito. I keep calling him Juancito. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> but it's not Juancito. Um, I can't pronounce his name correctly. So please, both of you, please uh, correct me. Uh, Jacito. Jacito. Jacinto? Yeah. Jacinto. Jacinto. Thank you. Um, so Carlos and, and Jaime... Uh, sneak into the kitchen, wiggling through the door. While getting the water, Jaime is, Jaime is looking around and then he finishes pouring, pouring in his pitcher, telling Carlos that he will see him outside when he's done. Carlos immediately starts filling up his pitcher, but, uh, but the, uh, knives, excuse me, but the knives fall down by themselves. That was great the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, like when, I'm out. When the knives fell down, I'm like, Okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm not, like I don't. We don't need water. I'm fine. Like we don't have to do this. So I'm not gonna. Uh, not gonna be here. <laughs> really quickly, I want to add that uh, with Asinto and what's her name? It's uh, Conchita. Conchita. Uh, you could tell that she's really into making him? out. Oh. him, yeah. yeah. And um, he's the bad boy. Well, right. <laughs> what I want to say is, at the moment that Jacinto like hears something, he's quick to be like what was that to cut right. off the emotions and like the romance yeah well yeah i think it just shows i mean let's be real like we're all he like, wants trouble we're all boys here right and i think it's very high on our priority list when it's more engaging <laughs> like this <laughs> sure it's sure. kind of hard for, uh, for us to pull away sure but he's real quick to be like i don't give a fuck about this anymore i just heard something near the safe i'm gonna go look at it even though like you should know like who's gonna get in that safe right right like what are you worried about yeah. but it just shows it's his paranoia of like what's yes. going on i'm gonna find out his priorities this is ticket to get yeah. out of here yeah. not only that he said earlier when he was talking to pig and Whoever the other guy, the other was. guy, <laughs> they and they never say his name. Yeah, he's like, Hoodlums. I don't need anyone. I've been able to do everything on my own, and it just shows that everyone around him is yeah. just a means to a cause, right? Like, it's true. He, he and Freddie brought up a good point due to proximity and him being a young man. That's why he's engaging his time with this woman because right. what else is there to do, right? But he clearly right. just doesn't care about her, and this is an example of that. Yeah, and we see multiple scenarios of why he doesn't care. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, she's like so kind and like genuine. You wanted to say like, she's pretty. She is pretty. She, she's pretty bad. Like, it sounds like, oh, they're putting the music on. This is like a good moment for her. Yeah, she's like, I want that she, song. She likes like, that romance. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm down just because you want it because well, I'm yeah. getting something out of I it. I wanted to bring that up. So when she's like, yeah, I picked that, use that song. And it's very apparent in his demeanor that he's stone faced and he just grabs her and it's it's not intimate for him right yeah he doesn't care yeah like he just genuinely doesn't care he has a one-track mind and he like you said the paranoia and the aspect of him having this goal that's all that's all that matters is like he's built up to be the villain but at the same time uh money's the true victim (laughs) (laughs) it sucks because he came from the same place that these boys came from but through the same upbringing he becomes a villain to like his 
his fellows, the ones that his are, peers, his neck, the generation after him. Yeah. But uh, it sucks because there's that divide where it's like there's no one else that he could connect to anymore because he, he seems like he's the last one left of his generation. Yeah. And just it's 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 this is what I meant when I'm like it's kind of painted like a beautiful novella to me because it's yeah. like there's these aspects that you can drama. look into. Yeah that, yeah. that are dramatic, but it's just like. There's there's beauty and the pain behind it. It just I don't know. It seems very like a fairy tale, like you said, Freddie. Makes sense. Yeah. Juacinto stops kissing Conchita, turning off the radio to listen, thinking he heard the scissors um, crush down. Or I meant knives. I put scissors. I was weird. Uh, he checks outside, noticing that the kitchen door is slightly ajar. Carlos is trying to clean up the knives um, while while uh, Juancinto uh, grabs his gun. He he's not able to uh, get the knives up. Um, and <laughs> this this part is great because I really like the fact that he is just like gung ho. Like I'm going to fucking kill right. you, whoever you yeah. are. I'm gonna fucking kill you. I know what you're doing in here. Um, but uh, he is at the door unlocking it. He hides as as um as uh, Juancito looks around placing the gun down lighting his cig- cigarette with a lantern this also looks pretty badass though not gonna lie. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it looks so fucking he's cool. a bad boy <laughs> he moves the uh, he moves um the piece of tile um off the wall exposing a safe trying the key but it doesn't open meanwhile carlos is hiding peeking out um to see him uh wasinto uh, hits the safe out of frustration. A gust of wind blows out his lantern. He looks. He looks at the area of the stairs. Quick, cu- quick cut to him closing up the kitchen and locking it. Jaime hiding behind the missile. Carlos comes out of his hiding spot. The music playing again. He hears the whispering of his name down the stairs. He cautiously goes over to the area, calling out to the whispers. With heavy, slow breaths, he heads downstairs. The room has a pool of water in the middle of the floor. He looks around for a moment. His attention moving towards some someone running carlos asks who um who they are and if they live down there the camera reveals that it is santi pale and ghostly the gash of blood floating upwards hiding behind a pillar the fucking reveals been amazing here. yeah it's awesome carlos slowly approaches the pillar but santi is, is behind him he touches carlos's shoulder before disappearing and leaving shimmers of his floating blood this is a great touch too i love that like the shimmering of his blood being floating right, still, so cool. Looks really, really great. Uh, Carlos touches the floating, bl- the floating blood. More whispers saying, "Quote: Many of you will die." End quote. I That's like good. this is like him peeking into the future, and mm. like, ugh, he's not wrong. I think the floating <laughs> blood is just a very cool creative effect. It's it's awesome. It just feels very like that's very like yeah. smart to yeah. like come up with. Yeah. That's I'm sure Toro's at the mind. time it was very impressive. Oh, I'm um, sure. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was impressed that this time. Right. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I, I, I haven't, haven't seen that before. Seen anything quite like this? Right. And granted, we technically get something similar to this in Mama, right? Yeah. With right. her, the with the floating hair and stuff like, and stuff like yeah, that. Like so, just, yeah. like we 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 get that that same thing, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's Del Toro seems like he he has a thing for floating monster design that's that true sense. he lo- he likes his monsters to float yeah. he likes water yeah that's what i wanted he to say but i was like is that water. too obvious to no like he, he loves water yeah. like he we've seen it in hellboy we've seen it in shape of water. i mean hellboy comes from a comic so that doesn't really count but still bring it up like, oh is there water in this comic <laughs> i mean I'll take i got you <laughs> bring it up a comic and you had said that santi's ghost design uh reminds you of like 
Japanese ghosts. Uh, to me, when I see them, I can see them almost illustrated in like a manga design style, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, with the whites and the blacks that he has going on. And just imagine like, like his design. Ito painting. Being, yeah, like on paper. And then the only color being the floating red blood. Fuck yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Uh, he sprints out of the room and back upstairs to the kitchen, pushing the door but not able to squeeze through. Jaime is smoking a cigarette, smiling and walking back to the room. Carlos calling for him, but he continues walking. I totally think Jaime steals those cigarettes from... Uh, oh, big uh, time. Washington. Yeah, I thought that too. Like, he has to. Um, he strips from his shirt the shadow of Santi walking up the stairs. He squeezes through the door, sticking back in to grab the slightly um, far away pitcher. At this point, I would have been like, fuck that picture, but okay. Zanti is slowly approaching him. Carlos grabs the picture and starts heading back. Jaime calls out to him and the rest of the boys looking at him. Jaime takes a couple of the other boys, fire, fire rocks with a slingshot at the picture in his hand. They could have really hurt that boy, but like, damn. I want to ask you this. Would you guys show this to a child if they wanted to watch something horror? This movie? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. A bit too intense. You think Depends so? how old they are. They're around like twelve, maybe. Yeah, twelve and up. Twelve and up. What about you, Prince? I think I think that's about right for me as well. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like you would have to understand it to like understand their situation a little bit more mm-hmm. and things like that. Okay. Um, but I would probably show them the orphanage first. Okay, because oh, wow. I I think this movie is just a, a fantastic just. Uh, companion piece to the orphanage. I think those would be actually the Devil's Backbone and the orphanage is a perfect double feature, in my opinion. But I think I would do that first. Okay. Orphanage is actually very scary <laughs> as well, and also very sad. But breaking the glass in his hand, Juancito uh, storms out of his room, grabbing Carlo, shaking him while he asks, "What is he doing?" Okay, like this is the we've seen him aggressive, but this is the first time we actually have seen him fucking aggressive <laughs> uh, yeah i you got to think about it though like he has no one that's probably ever put him in check because it's it he was put in a position where he was the carlos the mean? alpha male oh, oh so i'm talking about Wasinto. Uh, Wasinto, yeah um because he probably got to a point of an age where he's like i'm bigger i'm stronger now and then who's gonna put me in check right mm. so and not only that he doesn't really have anyone that kind of probably raised him and like taught him like morals or responsibility so he probably doesn't even have anybody who reprimands him either. exactly right so right. he is he whatever he wants he yeah. is probably more emotionally immature but in an adult's body yeah so like grabbing like carlos like this and acting just super Out of this like fit of rage yeah like almost like a uh, tantrum, yeah, tantrum like, yeah, right? exactly. It's very exactly it. being a boy in an adult's body. It's That's true. Holistic in a way where it's like he's like a predator. He's like, what are you doing outside of your like yeah. bed? Yeah, yeah. He's also seeing him as an outsider. He's someone who's new. It's like, what are you up to? Are you here to steal my gold? Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. like it could be a hundred things going yeah. in his mind. Who are you? Got the is in his room, listening to music and reading out loud, dreaming his beard as he recites the words from his poem book from memory, touching on the wall carmen on the other side in bed sitting up with uh, with a smile on her face as she listens to him she moves the covers over um uh grabbing her prosthetic leg to put on the boys are sitting in line taking vitamins from from conchita or assume they're vitamins i don't know what the hell they were carlos is standing in in, uh the front of everyone casada's asking him who was 
who was with him last night. One of them thinks um, that he won't tell, but Jaime believes that he will in the end. Casadas asks again, Carlos sticking with his story of him being alone. Casadas sits back um, next to Carmen, sharing that he won't talk, asking what's for breakfast. She answers the same thing that they always have, milk and bread. Delicious. He tells all of the children that, that, they, uh, that they are able to eat now. They immediately turn around, scarving their food down. Um, he leans back over to Carmen, sharing that he thinks uh, that they think Carlos told, but they don't care, calling them ravenous as they are, as they continue eating. And the first one to look up is the accomplice. Jaime, Galvez, Marcos, and Al all look up. Casadas calling all of them to come there. The boys are doing their extra chores. Galvez knowing that he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, squeal. Carlos comments that he uh, he was tricked. Galvez adding that it wasn't it isn't his fault that they are being punished. They both comment on how smart Casadas is on how smart Casadas is. They put down the, the statue outside, commenting that he that commenting about how heavy it, it was, and it's like a Jesus statue, right? Like right. The yeah. crucifix. crucifix. Uh, meanwhile, um, Jacinto is trying to fix the radio, smacking it, and it immediately working. And he's like, "See." Anger works so like <laughs> Conchita. <laughs> Conchita asks him to to dance with her. He tells her no, um, and that he can't dance. And Jaime's like, "Shit, I'll dance." Yeah, he <laughs> was. Jaime got a mad crush funny. on her. Uh, Jaime watches them as they flirt. Carmen is is pulling a picture off the wall, speaking to speaking with Casadas about uh, what Ayala said, knowing that um, Catalonia is going to fall and then Madrid. She asks him if he's um, if he's heard a, the talk of ghosts circulating around. I actually went to an area in Madrid where the bullet holes are still there. Wow, fucking terrifying. It's dark. Yeah, I I went to Barcelona and, and Madrid, and when it's like this little park that was a school it was actually an orphanage and there was bullet holes from the civil war that's crazy and they're still there and it was just a place where everyone just now just sits and hangs out and just drinks coffee because it's right down the street from a starbucks it's always so <laughs> fascinating to me like the the amount of history that is in so many places that people just casually just, just, just walk, walk by over yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and like it was like fuck <laughs> yeah and the first thing i even said when the person I was like oh like the devil's backbone and like the uh, because it was we were with um, a tour guide and she was like, yes, exactly that. Like that, like a lot of that whole section was inspired by this, but it was a lot smaller yeah. where we were. But um, super fascinating. And then I went to the movie shop and I got Wreck the Collector's Edition all in Spanish. <laughs> My pride and joy. Uh, he uh, he has. She comments that she's that she. Uh, sometimes thinks they are a ghost. Carlos goes up to Galvez, thanking him for not shooting his slingshot. He gives him a frog toy, the boys playing with it. Jaime and Marcos jealous of their fun as they glare as they walk by, calling them fuckers. Carmen tells Casadas to go back to Argentina. Excuse me. Um, while he while he still can, he comments that the the war isn't over in England or. In, uh, over in England or France may still intervene. She calls that wishful thinking, claiming that um, he's like her ex-husband, Ricardo. He tells her no, gently touching um, her her pinky with his, knowing that he found the place for, uh, for him 20 years ago and he stayed. Galvez and Al are playing with, the, with their new toy, Jaime coming up to them asking where Carlos is. They don't say anything. 
He takes her toy. Carlos is downstairs in the kitchen again, looking over the water in the pit, asking if they if they're the one if they are the one who sighs and if they live down there. He swishes the water around with his hand, asking for them to listen. Marcos grabs him up. I thought he was going to push him in. I may <laughs> ask him um, what he's uh, what he's doing. Calling him an, an ass kisser, he pulls out a pocket knife, demanding Marcos to throw throw him down. He does. Carlos quickly grabbing something, throwing it at Jaime, hitting him in the face, causing him to fall into the water. Oh, yeah, Galvez brother. screams that he can't that he can't swim. He was like, he should have thought of that before he fucked with me. Then. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I'm like, well, shit. I guess I can't either. <laughs> and then I'm out. <laughs> what accuracy to that throw? He's like, boom! Out my face! Ah, oh, water. How deep is this pit? <laughs> Shit, I don't know, but open it. Six feet. Uh, <laughs> six feet. Three feet. Stand up, dude. <laughs> oh, Carlos jumps into the water after him. He he comes up t- uh, for air. The boy's screaming for him to k- keep searching. He goes down again, pulling Jaime up with him. Santi appearing as they swim back up to the top. Um, Jaime, uh, he has Jaime... I don't know what I was trying to say there, but whatever. They pull him up uh, out of the water, checking on him. Uh, Jacinto comes up to them, angrily asking, what are they all doing? Upset with Carlos for not listening to him, grabbing Jaime by his hair while he continues yelling at them for being down there. He grabs a knife, asking whose knife that is. Carlos taking the blame yet again. He rubs Carlos's hair, threatening um, threatening that if, if it happens if anything happens to him, he's the one to get blamed. Then he slices his fucking cheek after no. saying that. And I would be like, ow, you contradicted yourself. <laughs> like, uh, he yells for all of them uh, to get out, threatening for Carlos not to say a word about this. Cut to Carlos being uh, being worked on by Casadas, cheerfully commenting about him being uh, being there for a little while and getting in trouble. He asks Carlos if he's read Monte Cristo. He he shakes his head, immediately asking if he believes in ghosts. Casadas comments that, that that there aren't any in the, in the novel. Carlos continues that he saw one there. He tells Carlos that he's a man of science, but Spain is full of superstition. He calls him to uh, to follow him as he explains Europe being sick with fear that uh, that sickens the soul. He talks. He takes him over to a jar of babies and embryos, adding that the town they call that in the town they call this the devil's backbone. He shows the exposed spine of a child. Ill, so disgusting. But yeah. wow, like There's what a sight! Let's like go. Uh, for real, like this is a fucking sight to see for sure. So is the understanding that the fetus within with the devil's backbone in rum cures sicknesses or like that's one of the theories got it right. but it also causes a lot of other diseases probably well this but it also supposedly allows you to uh pretty much not be flaccid yeah. anymore but, which but i'm is, like that's the reason why he has these in a bottle right that's it yeah okay. that's the reason why it's it's because he sells them yeah and that's how they get extra money for their fascinating yeah or not even money like they 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 trade it for like food yeah like bread and stuff adding that they say this um happens to children that shouldn't be born calling them no nobody's children uh but that that's a lie chopping it up to both poverty and disease he continues his scientific explanations explaining the water that they're in he opens the lid sticking a ladle inside exposing that it is very old rum which he sells in town the money keeping the school going carlos wonders if they drink it they do claiming that it helps cure blindness kidney ailments and 
importance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he notices that Casadas has a shot glass in his hand. Casadas um, calling it rubbish, and after sixty men would pay anything for it. He raises his finger to figure uh, uh, <laughs> to figure an erection. All right. <laughs> Adding that uh, he's about to believe in he's he's going to believe in ghosts, then he should have a sip to heal his wound. Carlos immediately denies, now suggesting that he isn't so sure that he saw a ghost, asking if he can go now. Casadas allows him to do so, telling him to be careful. When Carlos leaves, Casadas just throws that back. He's just like, all right, well, I kind of believe in it. <laughs> Carlos is asleep in bed. The shadow of the boy, um, boy's moving his curtain back. He is about to let out a scream. Jaime covering his mouth, telling him to calm down because we got a message from our sponsors. And we're back because instead of that, he's assuring him that he's not going to hit him again. He's like, Mad respect, you took a knife to the face for me. I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> you We're about to be friends again. That was the actual line from the movie. <laughs> Yo, dog, you got sliced up. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. We fam now. <laughs> he moves his hand, Galvez asking him to get out of his comics so they um, can look at them. Cut to them all hanging out. I like the area they're hanging out in too. Like it's just yeah, it's a cool, little, a cool little spot. Yeah. yeah, like a little nook area for them to just chill, smoke Smoking, cigarettes, yeah. and read comics. And the usual spot. Just have a good time, I guess. You know, under the bleachers. Yeah, exactly. School, the same and, shit. Someone commenting about how pretty a ring is. Carlos mentions that it is from a cigar that he found four years ago. Jaime asked him to swap with a with a picture of a naked woman that he drew. <laughs> The boys all gawk at it. One of them commenting that the vagina is in the wrong direction. It's like sideways. I love how Jaime is like, he's like, fuck you. You don't know. He's also like, hey, it's a good drawing, It's a good drawing, though. Like, yeah. It's pretty good. He's like, like, ooh, you're talking a hard bargain there. Uh, He also brings out a piece of fig cake. Carlos says that he wants his comic back. Jaime uh, agrees, but he will give... Uh, he would give it to him later since it is in his locker. He goes back to sit down. Carlos calling him an artist. Jaime sharing that he wants to draw comics when he grows up. While they are while they are talking, Carlos shushes uh, shushes them when he hears the sigh. He asks if they heard it, but Jaime claims that he didn't. He didn't hear anything. But the others also claim that they actually did hear it. They look down the hall, but it is Jacinto having sex with Carmen. What? What in the fuck? Plot twist. Yeah. This is a subplot that was just like, okay. I love shows like how greasy and disgusting this human is. He like he doesn't care. Yeah. It's just more character development for him. For her, she's like lonely. She wants a younger stud and sure, whatever. And it's very interesting because the guy, the doctor, he actually takes the shot of like the rum, which is supposed to cure a certain thing. And that's the thing he kinda like mocks the doctor of having. It's like, oh, the only hard cock you can have is me. Yeah. So the doctor's even like, well, I feel like I know that they're cheating on me. For sure he knows. Yeah. He's like, Viagra is like, like 40 the, years away. Here we go. I just love that there is context on why this happens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it, not, it's not a subplot that doesn't go unanswered. This yeah, is, this is there's, definitely a, there's plenty of film that will have it in there just because. Right. And that there's, too. There's, a, yeah. there's, there's, there's reasoning. motive behind it. Yeah. Right. And the fact... And, 
the reason being him we'll find out he is about to kiss her but she turns away telling him not to wanting this to be the last time he calls it the the same old story about going over to the vanity for a pack of smokes she tells him not to make any noise he asks if she's scared that casadas will hear but she claims that she's ashamed as he speaks to her about being ashamed of him he's swapping um, keys on the ring calling casadas a gentleman but that not being enough she grabs her prosthetic Jacinto uh, helping her helping her with it as he continues explaining that Casadas would will look at her with love even when her husband was alive. She comments about her thinking her leg uh thinking her leg thinking about her leg and it hurting um to think about but she needs to stay on her feet. She grabs his hand forcing him to go go in for another round with her. The camera moves past the wall, Casadas overhearing um their moans and sighs from the other room. My heart Sorry, Casadas. It's okay. I mean, Just she sucks so too, bad. big time. Yeah. She's oh a, yeah, she knows. What, she's raping the minors. So. I mean that that's true too, but yeah, like that that made me also kind of think about like she was obviously there fifteen years ago since Casadas was there twenty years ago. Like so, Carmen was there. Yeah, and like you kind of helped yeah. grow. Jacinto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, like you groomed him. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Like. Ew. Meanwhile, the boys are talking about seeing lights in the sky again. Another commenting um, that being from the war and it never ending. One of the kids commenting that they uh, that they like the that they like the war because of the planes. Do you know how long the war lasted? I think it was three years. Things like two to three years. Something like that, right? Three years. Thank you, Freddie. Fact checking. That's why we call him Fact Check Freddy. You heard it here first, everybody. That's the first time we've ever called him that. <laughs> but, but that's his official name. Galvez reiterating what uh, what his mother told him about the earth being so dry and um, the air so hot. And remember, it's the Spanish Civil War, not the Spanish-American War. <laughs> um, that the uh, dead stuck halfway. Because I think the Spanish-American War was like a year or something like that. Anyway. It's like three months. Yeah, yeah, it, it uh, wasn't, wasn't too oh, long. Oh, almost three, three years. years. Almost three years? Two years, 254 days. Okay, yeah. That's a long time, though. Yes, it is. That's a long time. Um, Jaime calls it rubbish. Someone saying saying that about the boys um, that size. Jaime is annoyed, and he leaves. Galvez sitting next to Carlos, telling him that uh, there is a ghost. Excuse me. Sharing that the day the bomb fell, Santi disappeared. They tell him that Santi slept in his bed, and the and uh, the legend has it that the teachers believe that Santi ran away, and shepherds found him. Another chimes in that the cutthroat got him and took his blood. Galvez, knowing that this is possible, since they sell blood to the rich to cure uh, tuberculosis, Carlos asks where the ghost is. Them thinking it came from the bomb. Jaime is listening from beyond the wall outside. Santi watching from inside the kitchen. Once again, like you kind of get that context of Santi always kind of just being present. That was a very close airplane. <laughs> like, <laughs> my God. Like, it just felt never ending. I wonder if people were able to hear that. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But that airplane was, like, really close. So I'm curious if y'all heard it. Good time, man. though, grabbing gas. Um Gas tanks to put on on the back of the truck. Casadas hands him hands him bottles of rum, angrily telling him to be careful with them. And I like this because we kind of see that Casadas is being mean to him. Yeah. He's just like, "Fuck you! I know what you're doing. I know what you've been doing. Like, yeah. we share the room pretty much. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I just read her a poem this morning, bro. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think though, uh, 
Hasito's an he, asshole. Yeah, but <laughs> you're like, you you can tell he's like, what's his problem? Yeah, or like he might like, be suspicious of like, does he know? Like, he's like, does he know? Yeah. Should I tell him? Not like, <laughs> like Hansito staring at him as he continues. Jaime is pouring pouring in the gas for the tank, getting shy around Conchita. Mm. He pulls out the foil ring, calling out to her, telling her that he found it and that uh and thought she would like it. Hansito uh interrupts him to open the gate. She tells him that it is lovely, while Jaime explains that it isn't real gold. She continues telling him how lovely it um it is to her, thanking him with with a kiss on the cheek. Ooh-wee, that boy sprung. <laughs> Hansinto calling calling out to him again as Conchita uh, gets out of gets on the truck. He asks uh gets in the truck, not on the truck. She does not do that. Uh, he asked what was that about? She calls it again. She calls it kids stuff. Admiring the following. Anybody who has not seen this movie and just listens to this show. She got on the truck. Uh, she damn. got on the truck. She, best day ever. She was <laughs> She started dancing. Oh, my God. She's my cherry pie. No. Uh, Casadas gets in the driver's seat, uh, driving down the road. Uh, Garmin is teaching the teaching the children, asking them a question. Galvez getting it, getting it wrong, and Carlos excitedly answering correctly. For context, everybody, I usually <laughs> I usually write, uh, type the synopsis on my iMac, but since I was in Los Angeles when I typed this, I had to use my laptop. My laptop has five broken keys on it. (laughs) So... O is one of the broken keys and it switches my eyes with my O's. So, (laughs) there you go. And I don't catch them right away, so my apologies. Uh, She continues the lessons as as Jaime draws. Carlos complimenting his drawing, adding that he could he could help create the stories for uh, for his comics. But Jaime is offended by that, explaining that he has his own stories. It's like, damn man, I'm just just saying. So I really like this. We have multiple instances where Jaime um, is almost a foreshadowing of becoming another Jacinto with how that's true how self-centered he is he also says the same has the same dialogue of like i don't need anyone absolutely i could do everything myself right and this is another example of that so has that sense of violence he has the pocket knife and everything too well, it just shows right it just shows like because there's a lot of innocence in all the boyhood going on here right and he's an example but you could tell he's like older he's he's like a preteen probably at this point and I think it's he is there to demonstrate like what Jacinto was like and the path he went down and eventually what it led to. So, yeah. um, I mean, but he's also fueled with a lot of rage and revenge. Yeah, well, but I'm towards sure. Towards uh, Jacinto. Yes, that. Yeah. Right. But I mean, I mean, that is the catalyst, right? right and just right, like right, Jacinto right. probably had his own catalyst. Like, yeah. that's something that Which, takes you to the next level. Right. And I have a theory about that, about his, about Hansinto's uh, catalyst being the fact that he was constantly abandoned. Like, I feel like either these kids' parents came back or something like that while Hansinto didn't. Like, everybody left him and yeah. he just was stuck there at the orphanage. Yeah. Because so. he says he's embarrassed that he's been there for 15 years. Exactly. Like, nothing truly traumatic has, um, I mean, that's traumatic correct. Not traumatic, but that, that's a wrong word because something probably did happen. But he he hasn't had something on the on, on that is quite like this, like someone dying in front of him or something. And someone might have. I don't know. But still, 
Yeah. But, yeah. The bell rings, the boys getting their things and heading out of, out of there. Now night, Carlos goes over to Jaime's bedside, trying to get inside of his locker. He carefully opens the door, pulling his drawing, uh, his drawing book out. He flicks through the pages of the drawings, um, coming across a drawing of Santi. Carlos looking back at Jaime. Cut to Casadas handing out his bottles of rum to, to a man in town. He hears soldiers yelling. He, uh, he asks what's going on. The man telling him that it is international, it is an, it is an international brigade. Conchita comes back to the truck, but Casadas goes over to the brigade to get a better look. The soldiers are making them all in, all line up in a in an execution line, and it's pretty much the Rojos and their allies um, being executed, publicly executed. He realizes that Ayala is in li- is in the lineup. The soldiers forcing them all to turn around, shooting them one by one. Casadas flinching by each shot. One of the men that was helping um, Jacinto comes up to comes up to him, asking if one of them. Um, are friends of his. He shakes his head, continuing to watch the men get picked off um, by the bullets. Meanwhile, Carlos speaks uh, speaks to the bomb, asking where Santi is. It begins to creak, the wind causing a red ribbon to fly off toward another room. He follows it. Seeing Santi hunched over, he calls out to him, telling Santi that he doesn't want anyone to die. Santi shakes his hand, or shakes his head, excuse me, um, whispering that um, that many of them will die. He turns around, revealing his his wound oozing and floating upward as Carlos pleads. Santi walks toward Carlos, causing him to run back uh, to the room. Carlos catches his breath in the hallway, hearing the dripping of, of water and, and the ghastly sighs of Santi down the hall. I would have been like, Santi, bro, like, I, I, I want to talk to you, but... You don't have to come close to me. I can hear you. Right. Like, like, I, got you. I do not need you to come this close to me. Like, creepy I'm, ghost. Like, don't be creepy ghost. Please stay where you are at a safe distance away from me. Santi comes into the hallway, slowly approaching him again. Carlos nervously watches, slowly moving backwards before trying to run. One door is locked. Another just just um, a pantry. Santi is... Uh, Santi is is right in front of him. He chooses to go inside the pantry, hiding hiding out, holding down on the handle as Santi bangs from the other side. He he looks through the keyhole, Santi peering back at him. This was pretty good. A, a, yeah, Fine. it was yeah. like I didn't mind it, but it felt tonally off in some ways to me. I I had a thought process of that as well, but then like I contextualized it in my head, whereas like. Santi being a young boy, yeah, open the door and then looking in, be like, "What's he doing in there?" Right, right. But he looks scary now. So to yeah. us as an audience, it looks scary, right? But and I, and it was totally a jump scare, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it was it was interesting. It's one of those things where it's like, I wonder what his motive was because he was having normal conversations, like, "Oh yeah, a bunch of you are going to die. I'm just going to go towards you." Right. That's what I'm saying. It's just like. I don't need you to come towards me to yeah, talk like, to me. <laughs> like I can hear you just fine. Do we have aspects where um, we hear him conversing more than this? Because what if like it's like a few sentences at a time? That's yeah, because like, yeah. I always try to contextualize it in my head. Like maybe it just takes a lot of energy, energy. Yeah. to project himself yep, yep, and yep. to communicate. You know, when you think about like ghost lore and thing, things like that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he should just stop appearing while nobody's paying attention to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's in limbo. Exactly. I just realized you have the new MacBook. That looks really nice. Thanks. <laughs> I, 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 there's a whole story about it. I'll tell you about it later. Okay. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. I, I just saw it and I was just like, wow. It's thick. It's, yeah. it's thick. It reminds me of the 2000 in like 
2015 models. Oh, I'm replacing a 2012, so it's just as thick as my 2012. Oh, there you go. Oh, I bet the speaker's thick boys. He continues holding the door as the banging <laughs> continues. Cuts to Alma walking down the hall to the pantry, opening the door to uh, screaming Carlos. Um, this was an interesting cut. She is startled and Carlos runs out of the pantry. Casadas is in his room, rubbing his knuckles to calm himself from the experiences of last night. The, the children are getting their, their mail from Alma while everyone else gets their vitamins and prepare for breakfast. Casadas comes into the, into the room calling Carmen, wanting to tell her um, something, something but not wanting the boys to hear. Jacinto watches them as Casadas is telling, that her, telling her things are bad out there. He takes her into another room, wanting to get out of, the, get out of there today. He continues that Ayala was uh, taken prisoner, and he's sure that he was questioned, knowing that they have to go. Carmen wonders where, the, where they would go. He believes um, to... Um, um, Maricel where, uh, with the Richards, but they can't stay there. She cries that they can't, they can't leave the boys. He agrees, suggesting that they can take as many as they can, but they will have to go use, have to use the gold. She disagrees, saying the gold belongs to the cause. He blows up, telling her, uh, fuck the cause. It's like, oh my God, Casadas. Like, she's like, this is, so this is what I needed. <laughs> like, <laughs> thinking that uh, there, will, there will always be an, an afterwards, but he, um, but he's wrong. He caresses Carmen's face, about to spill his heart out, but Conchita knocks on the door. She tells, not now, Conchita. She tells him, um, the boys are, are waiting for her permission on breakfast. He looks back at Carmen. She tells him that she needs, um, she needs some papers and then they can go. He leaves to tell the boys to eat up. Meanwhile, Carmen removes the ball to get the, into the safe. Galvez is sharing that his mom wrote, wrote him and she's a lot better coming to get him soon. Carlos ignores him, letting him know that, uh, he saw Santi last night. Um, and he was sure that it was Santi. Carmen is gathering all the papers out of the safe. Uh, Jacinto comes, comes into the room asking her if she's leaving and where she is planning to go. She is in shock. Um, exposing the bars of gold as Jacinto continues yelling at her for uh, not thinking of him. He wipes his or he whips his knife out, putting it in his, hol- in, in his holster. Conchita watching him um, as he does so. Jacinto approaches Carmen while uh, Casadas continues speaking to the boys. All the shit that's going on. It sounds like they're close by. And I, Casadas feels like you can hear him because like Jacinto ain't being quiet. Like he's like definitely yelling yeah. at her. He really is. Yeah. Jacinto agrees um, that she can leave, but she must leave the gold. She asks him um, if that is all he cares about. He's like, yeah. Like what? Of course. <laughs> like, what do you mean? He is about to reach. Uh, he's about to reach for it, but she slams the, the safe shut. If she, if she would have just waited a little bit longer, she would have fucking broke his hand. Like, oh, yeah. like just a little bit longer. But I like how she does just slam it shut. And she's like, no, like, like this is not for you. Yeah. She grabs her cane, reminding him the reasons why she brought him in, and it was just like. Ugh, to groom him like, yeah. like, like <laughs> he demands the key sharing that he, uh, he was the, he was the saddest and most lost of all the orphans calling him a prince without a kingdom i love that yeah i love that i line. fucking love that line so much i liked it until she groomed him i mean 
And it's like and all of it's princess gross? baby. And I'm like, no. Oh God, don't. Yeah. Uh, he grabs he grabs her wrist, telling her to shut up. But she continues that he was truly alone. Hansito yells again for her to shut up. Casada steps in, threatening to shoot her or not her, him. Excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll kill her. You stop don't away stop. from him. Let him take the gold. I will fucking Whoa, kill slip. her if you do not stop. <laughs> he mocks Casada sharing the news. I would have shot him right there. Uh, he mocks Casada sharing the news um, that he's been the one sleeping with Carmen. And he would be like, I know. Bam! Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Garmin clocks, uh, clocks him in the face with her cane. I would have shot him after that, too. Casada's double tap. Casada's uh, stepping up to, uh, to him, gun pointed, demanding him to get out. I hope people don't take, like, those words seriously when we say <laughs> these things. Like, totally, we're literally in this movie predicament. I would have shot him. Not in real life. <laughs> I don't think I have the stomach for that. Hansinto walks out of the orphanage, everyone following him. He looks back at Conchita. So once right now, it's just like, we're reporting all this to the police. Conchita visually showing that she's uh, going to stay. He keeps moving. Um, the boys spring into action, packing and grabbing all their things so they can get out of there. Jaime um, asks Carlos what he saw. Carlos tells, tells him Santi and that he's the boy who sighs. Knowing that he's dead, Jaime doesn't answer him and Carlos puts his things in the truck. Casadas instructs Conchita to get the gas. He goes back inside. Excuse me. She goes back inside, only seeing only seeing one one can left. A door creaks when she op- when she opens it. There is an empty field. This was interesting because it kind of uh, the way the camera was placed. It feels it feels like that was the section she just came out of, and they left her. The one eighty degree. Rule. Right. Yeah. It felt it felt a little odd. But uh, she goes back to the truck, grabbing the shotgun from the seat. She hears the gas dripping out of the car, the trail leading back inside the kitchen. Carmen is explaining uh, the journey to the boys, instructing the older boys to look after the younger ones. Conchita follows the trail, spotting Hansinto uh, pouring gas on the safe. She, like, bro, it's a safe. What do you expect to He's happen here? He's an orphan. Fair enough. Uh, she asked. She asked him uh, not to say that orphans are all yeah. uneducated. But no, uh, I'm not saying that. No, no, right. No, I know what you're. I know you what you looked meant. at me when I was like, no, <laughs> that's not what Canceled. I meant. <laughs> no, <laughs> she, I'm saying he's uneducated. Right. Yes. No worries. Uh, she asked him, "What is he doing?" He exposes that he's uneducated because he's an orphan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he exposes that he's pouring all the gas all over the floor and uh and the other cans he calmly lights a cigarette taking a puff meanwhile alma uh, checks on him uh she shares she shares that her leg is heavier than ever love that yeah fucking yeah. love that don't realize it until later yeah like i love that whole whole foreshadowing aspect that was just wow to there's me there's a lot of like little easter eggs of like yeah. what's to come also the thing with the ring it's a very cute moment but it comes back for a full circle of like Cool. This is sad. It, but, it was just another thing to add to his revenge fuel. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just so yeah. good. It's like, have you have you all seen Pitch Perfect? Yeah, it's Long like time ago. It's like Long the bur- the burrito that hits her in the back of the face. She's like, leave it. Fuels my hate fire. This is his hate fire. Casadas <laughs> comes to, into the room. Carmen embraces him. Back with the dickhead and Conchita. Uh, I should have just named him dickhead for the rest of the movie. Um, he pretty much is calling her stupid with all her fantasies and wanting to buy a farm. And she was like, 
I liked my farm idea. Yeah. It was very nice. She points the gun at him. He calls her bluff, but she calls him crazy in the, that everyone is inside. He asks her if she's going to shoot him. She's telling him no, pleading for him to stop as he mockingly hits the gun. I would have shot him. He, he hits it again, the gun firing off, brazing his shoulder and causing her to fall to the ground. Jacinto blows on the cigarette um, and throwing it on the gas, igniting it. Conchita gets up, grabbing the gun. Casadas comes into the room, asking what's going on. Excuse me. She shouts for him to get everyone out and that the place is going to explode. Everyone springs into action, getting the boys out, except for Alma's dumbass, trying to put the yeah, fire out. Fuck. She works at an Alma. orphanage. I mean, <laughs> just kidding. Um, I think it's the 30s. They're all uneducated. I think the whole thing is just the fact that she has so much passion about this place yeah, and no. so much care and joy. I think she also probably thinks, well, I mean, they mentioned earlier that it, you can't really do much with the gold, but she probably is thinking about the gold. Maybe. Could be. But yeah. actually, I think you're right. She is a very seemingly caring, caring person. person. She right. probably just wanted to put it out, but she isn't aware that the gas will blow. I don't know. Why I think for she is reason. aware, but I think she's just like I will. Like my life is this. Yeah, this is my life. These children are my life, and this place is my life. She went full protective mode. Right. She. Um, it was pretty much like that place was her child, and for her, like she was being motherly and protecting her child at all cost. Mm. I don't so. know why, but I thought the bomb was going to explode with everything too. <laughs> I was kind of hoping. Yeah, the bomb teases. I mean, not you. hoping. But like, oh, the missile. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It teases you throughout the whole film. Yeah. Right. I don't. <laughs> But it's so simple. Does it work that way? I don't the know. Bomb if missiles like work a, that way, right? Like it's it needs it needs like an inner in, ignite, right? Impact. Right. That's what I thought. Like and it I needs to ignite inside. That's the thing that's really important. It's like representative of this whole entire movie. It's like, what is a ghost? Right. It's a, yeah. it's a moment. It's a tragedy. It could be something that just stays there. Right. Wow. Which is that thing. Yeah. You're right. It could still be alive, but it's also still dead yeah. there. Yeah. Forever staying there as well. Wow. That's as interesting. Santi as well. You know what's what's super and as interesting. The other guy will become eventually. I uh, right. I have a relative. I'm not going to say what type of relative this is because they have a very secretive job. Um, but uh, they are a physicist. A Jedi. Oh, I wish that would also be cool. <laughs> but they're a physicist a long, long for ago. a lab, um, and they actually build bombs. So oh. like. These are all questions that I definitely should ask. <laughs> I'm sure they would be very willing to tell me. But um, it's really cool, though, where he works. So cool. They're like, oh, so it's a he. All right, we're Literally piecing things together. Garmin grabs for her. Uh, Casadas calls for Carmen, but she continues trying to have Alma um, have the flames at uh, put out the flames as it hisses. Uh, four boys are... Four boys are watching as she tells them to get out of there. The fire combusts and explodes, causing Casadas to fly back from the explosion. The truck then exploding, the hood flinging over the children. Um, it fucked them up, though. <laughs> like, god damn. <laughs> it fucked them up. Casadas wakes up, his eardrums bleeding as he gets up. He looks over at the truck, then notices the casualties in all the dead children. Conchita points points um, him in another direction toward the kitchen. He can't hear her, but goes toward the direction seeing the dead children. But his boo is still alive. He's like, yo, my boo, I need to get you. She shares that she's very cold. He instructs her not to move. She asks if it is, uh, if it is bad. He tells, her, he tells her no, but moves her shirt, a shard of glass sticking out of her chest. Fuck, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's real bad. He removes it, though. That's like rule one. Don't do that. 
Don't don't remove it. There's nothing else to do. Give her the rum. Yeah, give her the rum. Fine. (laughs) He removes it. Commanding Carlos to grab his medical bag from his office, he does. He does with one more glance at the at um at uh the uh, babies with the devil's backbone stuff. Um, Jaime goes up to Conchita. Uh, she she assures him that that they can't hear the explosion from town, knowing that they can't that they can't expect anyone to come help. And walking on and walking all night will uh, have them there by noon. Casadas continues uh, working on Carmen to, uh, to the best of his ability. She whispers that she has something to tell him. He tries to stop her, not thinking, not thinking that he can he- uh, hear it and for him to do, do all the talking. He tells her that he learned a new poem. He takes his scalpel as, as, she, as he tells her his poem. Quote, stay by my side as my light grows dim, as my blood slows down and my nerves shatter with stabbing pain, as my heart grows weak and the wheels of my, of my being turn slowly. Stay by my side as my fragile body is racked by pain, which verges on truth and manic time, continue scattering dust and furious life burst out in flames. Stay by my side as I fade so you, so you can point to the end of my struggle and the twilight of internal days at, at the low, dark edge of life. End quote. Fucking deep, dog. Mm-hmm. Def Jam poetry. Carmen takes his, her last breaths as, as he says his poems, Casada's bursting into tears with his head on with his head on hers. By the way, I just had a thought. This is his third movie. His second movie was Mimic. Anyway, back to this. Conchita is walking down uh, down the road. Jaime um, stopping her uh, to give her a vitamin for strength. I think she, they're beans. Is it beans? I think so. Okay, because it's like magical beans. The frijoles. Frijoles. One. Un frijol. Conchita is uh, walking down the road. Jaime Jaime stopping her to give her um, uh, the bean for strength. And he's like, for strength. She's like, no. <laughs> she shows her the ring from the cigar on her finger um, before heading back out. Casardas uh, heads back back outside. Um, Galvez elbows Carlos to look to look at him. Casardas um, heads upstairs inside the workshop, opening the window, commenting how uh, he should have killed killed Jacinto. Yeah. Merciful, All of this baby. could have been avoided if y'all would just do less talking, more killing. <laughs> like, the whole first. Hey, exactly. It very much fits his character, though, because he... It uh, does. He's not only a caring man, but he is the one that uh, doesn't take the initiative, right? right? And we see that with Carmen, and we see that here. Yeah. And he he has regret. He does. He does. Very much so. But he will be back. He will be, excuse me, but he knows he will be back and he will wait for him. He takes a seat. He asks Carlos to grab his records, his records and his record player, knowing that he'll need them. He le- he leaves out to go get them. Casada's touching his side, revealing that he's bleeding out and he continues to sit and wait. Now, I, I saw you kind of shrug like, why, like, what's the point, Freddie? And I think I have a theory behind this. I think it is to There's allow music. him. Not his, not just his music, but to allow him to keep, stay awake, to try not to just let his wounds succumb and him just die. Mm. But he's very particular about it too. He's like put it towards the window, that direction, stuff like that. I feel right. like it's like a distraction for the kids to get away. Maybe I don't know. Oh, I just thought but it was very uh, like on it, purpose. It gave him a vantage point of um, being able to scope out and make noise and because he can't hear so he wants to make sure that no one could hear him right if he's going to take a shot right yeah 
makes sense. Although you would think, like, doesn't that attract uh, the viewpoint to be at the window where the sound's or coming from? Or that's what from, he wants. But... Maybe he wants them to go to that viewpoint to see, like, what's playing sound. Now you're in my viewpoint. I can shoot you now. I think he just also did it, too, by the fact that he's just like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm still alive. Or he <laughs> loves music. Or he loves music, but he can't hear it, so. Uh, <laughs> uh, now night, the boys set up uh, to sleep for uh, for the night. Jaime and Carlos are taking are talking about their hunger. He asked Carlos, he's like, damn, I should have said that, Bean. Uh, he asked Carlos if he, could, if he could kill someone, commenting that he could in... Um, and and what he said about uh, Santi is true. He's uh, he's dead, but Jaime didn't kill him, and that he was he was with him when he died. He tells him the story. We transition to a flashback of Santi and Jaime picking up slugs down in the basement by the water. Santi hears um, Jacinto upstairs trying to get into the safe. He goes up, spotting Jacinto. He stops working on the safe, going up to Santi. Santi runs back downstairs, telling Jaime that he's there. They both run. Jacinto coming down the stairs, stopping Santi from running, and Jaime. Jaime hides behind a pillar. Jacinto slaps him around, asking if he saw the safe and why is he down there. He gr- <laughs> and he'd been like, "I didn't see shit, but now I know because you told me." Like, <laughs> right, yeah, 100%. uneducated. He, he, gra- he grabs Santi, <laughs> covering his mouth. Santi bites his hand. Jacinto pushes him into the wall, causing him to hit his head. Santi begins to shake. Jacinto realizing that uh, what he's done, and he kneels down, whispering for Santi to get up. He doesn't. Jacinto grabs some rope. Uh, Jaime uh, comes from behind uh, the pillar, checking on Santi, repeating, repeating the uh, beginning of the movie, uh, covering his mouth while crying in shock. Hansito is coming back uh, with the rope. He re- he runs back to his hiding spot. Hansito ch- uh, ties him up, throwing him into the, in, into the pit of water, leaving leaving him there. Jaime comes back, tr- uh, crying over the water. Jaime runs. Um, or he runs he runs out into the rain, spotting the planes above and the missiles falling out of the sky. I think that's why it didn't explode. Was not the fact that it was a dud, it was the fact that it The ground was wet. The ground was wet. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. Bracing for impact, the missiles uh, uh, the missile doesn't go off. He touches it. Sp- uh, speaking to Carlos, calling himself a coward and being afraid of Hansinto, but not anymore. Knowing that he will kill him the next time he sees him. Cut to Conchita, um, Cut to Conchita walking down the road, a car uh, coming d- down towards her. Uh, it is Hansito and his goons. They stop and get out of the car. He walks He walks up to her. He tells her to apologize and to get in the car. She claims that she isn't afraid of him. He, cl- he claims that she is making a fool out of him and they're watching them. She repeats that she isn't afraid. He pulls, he pulls out a knife, demanding her to apologize again. She calls him an animal. And then he just slowly stabs her into his side as he hugs her. Such a heartbreaking scene. It is. I also wonder if he thought that she would, I mean, clearly this is wrong, but maybe she'd be better off dead than in the hands of everyone else in the crew. Maybe. It just shows like how ruthless he is. Yeah. And this is where I was like, where I hate to say it's like, I was starting to like the movie even more because it had like that emotional impact. In this scene, I was like, damn, you got me. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with, that as well. No, well, I, it's, it's something horrific to say. Like, oh, this is where I started liking the movie. I mean, but, but it, hey, it's the worst. Like, cool. There was enough strong writing for this character that I cared for right. this person, and now she's dead. And it was such a good character moment of like, I'm not scared of you, and she says it multiple times. Yeah, and that's what like stood her ground, and that's what caused her death. Yeah, and it shows how big of a villain he is. So that like upscales him as a character too. Of like, fuck you. You're a terrible person. You're you're the antagonist of this film. Word. Like, all of the ghostly stuff has nothing on 
how evil and scary you are as a person. Absolutely. Well, the true monsters are the worst people. Yeah. Message. The boys are assisting each other to uh, get shards out of gla- uh, uh, glass out of their skin. Casadas is still upstairs. Carlos and Jaime check on him. He wakes up. Carlos is telling him um, that he did that he did what he said, but Al is still bleeding. They hear someone coming, noticing the car. Carlos helps him up. He instructs Jaime to turn on his uh, record and move the horn uh, to the window. They stop in the middle of the, of the road, looking up at the window. Hansito tells, tells them to wait because they don't know anything. They head back inside the car, backing up. Jaime um, call, uh, calls out that they are leaving. Casadas nods his head with a smile, then coughing. They help him back to his seat. He weakly promises the boys that he will not leave them alone. The boys go into the kitchen, picking up food off the ground. Carlos is left alone, Santi appearing to him again. He tells Santi that he's going to, he's going to run and he wants to talk to him. Or he's not going to run and he wants to talk to him. He goes up to Santi to speak with him. Jaime is upstairs with Casadas, um, realizing that he's dead. Carlos asks Santi what he wants. He whispers he wants Hansito to be brought to him. He runs back upstairs to, uh, to get Jaime, shouting that, that he saw Santi and he knows what he wants. He notices Casadas is dead. Hansito comes, uh, comes out from the shadows with Jaime by, uh, by his head and gun in hand. He forces the boys to, to pick through the rubble. Marco finding something. Hansito, uh, has them move and they find, they, oh, that was his, oh no, that was the other game, Marco. Never mind. Um, Marciello finds something. Mar- Marciello? Oh, is Marciello the? I think Marciello's the guy. Yeah, guy. Yeah, I think yeah. that's his name at the end. Man, fuck them. Hansito um, has them move, and they find what they are looking for. He goes up to Jaime, handing him a, handing him the cigar ring that he gave Conchita, and he's like, "So <laughs> I want to speak on this because I feel like you know we've." done such a deep analysis on Jacinto this whole time and I think this is him and a result of his upbringing and him being so centered him even showing Jaime a child be like what's mine is mine you can't have it right I don't share right. it yeah and fuck and having that full circle moment of like damn I give that ring to her now I know she's for sure dead because he has it now yeah that's like, true. Oh yeah, because like it's it's it you put two and two together. Though. She's not here, so right. Right. You yeah. ran into her before she got to the town. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's only one way there. Yeah. yeah. So they force all the boys into a room. The men uh, get to work on opening the cabinet. Jaime rallies the boys, thinking that one of them needs to go through the window and open the door. Uh, Galvez asks, "Then what?" Jaime tries to uh, mock him for being scared. Galvez agrees that he's scared, commenting about Al's wounds, and I was like. Yeah, this shit ain't gonna work right now, bro. Like, dude, like, bro, we just survived an explosion, and Al's over here dying. Yeah. <laughs> he finally tells all the kids that Santi was killed by Hansito, and if they stay there, they, um, they are next. Jaime becomes a leader, going going down the line, trying to encourage them. Galvez comments that they have a gun and a and are bigger and stronger than them. Uh, Jaime grabs a stick, commenting that uh, there are more of them though. They get they get to work sharpening the sticks with blades of gl- of glass. Uh, Galvez is is about to climb out of the window. Jaime stopping him to remove another blade of glass from the seal. He drops it. They stop to check the to check to see if the men are still chipping away. They go back to dropping Galvez. Jaime losing his grip and dropping on his ankle. And 
spraining it pretty much or breaking it. I don't know. It, it looked like a sprain, though. Look really it looks bad. rough. Yeah. yeah. It does. He squeals in, in pain, treating his ankle while the men can't uh, find the gold. Carlos volunteers to get Galvez, but Marcos comments that uh, he's skinnier and he'll do it. Galvez is sitting sitting there, appro- approached by the ghosts of Casadas. He opens the door for them. The boys wondering who opened it. You know what was interesting, though? Like, I, I get it. You hurt your, your ankle, but and you just hop to the door and open it. Yeah. It's just like, bro, this is life or death now. <laughs> like, 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 come on. Like, hop, the, hop your I'm ass like, to that door and fucking open the door. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, it's a real reveal that Casares is... Well, of course. Like, yeah, no. Still, it like, would have been an awesome reveal if Casares was the one who picked up the gun and just... <laughs> 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 the che- <laughs> ghosts that kill they check on, Ga- on uh, Galvez he tells them that Casadas opened the door a trail of flies show that Casadas' handkerchief is on the ground I love that I love that the trail of flies are what are his representation of like him right and because how he knows around him before he passed right like and how the blood is the representation of Santi yeah. Like I fucking love that so much. Reminds me of Fear Street. It's one of those right. things where it's like, um, he. he Wait, you say Fear Street? Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shit, that's, that's fair enough. Okay, they all have flies. <laughs> they all have flies oh, when they true. would change, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he. Uh, the men are upset with um Hansinto, uh since they. Since there isn't any gold there, he ignores them. Looking at his notebook uh, with mementos from uh from his past, he shows them a picture of his of his dad, and they're just like, "What the fuck, bro." Like, yeah, like, they don't care, but like, he's like, fuck, whoa. Like, th- like he's, is- like, actually just like, wow, she kept this. Yeah. But, like, imagine that. He hadn't seen those for, like, 15 years. Yeah. Or maybe more. Been a minute. Um, sharing that he was an accountant. Then a picture of his mother and him as a child. The men don't care. Letting Hansinto, um know that they're leaving tomorrow. He looks he looks back at the photo of himself reading the, reading the back. Quote, how lonely the prince without a kingdom, the man without warmth. Hansinto, 1925, in Malgala, in or Malaga, uh, end quote. He tells them that he saw the gold and knows that it is there, adding that they'll find it tomorrow and burn the place down, not caring about the boys since they don't have parents. They reiterate that they are leaving tomorrow no matter what. The boys hear in their conversation. Next day, Hansinto is trying is turning on the record player. The men tell him that they... Uh, that they are getting stuff from the ca- from the car, he tells them to uh, to hurry up since they need he will need their help. Hansito moves into the room where the explosions happen, finding the bars of gold inside Carmen's uh, prosthetic leg. He hears the two men driving off without him. He runs out. He runs out to them. They uh, they give him a good fuck you as they continue down the road. Back inside, he grabs the rest of the gold and ties it ties it around his waist. The boys call over to call over to him, and he chases them down into the pit area. He loads the gun and goes hunting for them. Carlos, Galvez, and Marco step out. He aims, and Jane and, and Jaime running over to stab him in the armpit. Intense, dude. It looks good too. It looks awesome. Practical effects. Oh my god! There's always every movie that I feel like he does that Del Toro does. It always has that sense of gore 
where you're just like kind of surprised by it. You're just like, oh my God, it comes out of nowhere. Expect that. Hansito rips the stick out of his armpit. The boys surrounding him, poking the living shit out of him. They push him down into the water, calling for Santi. He's weighted weighted down by the gold, trying to quickly release it from his side. Santi holds, uh, comes up behind him, grabbing him and forcing him to stay underneath the water with him. The boys watching as he drowns before leaving out. Carlos gives one last farewell to to Casadas, crying as he places the gun on his lap and the handkerchief in his pocket. The question from the opening from Casadas is asked again, quote, what is a ghost? A tragedy condemned to repeat itself time time and again. A A moment of pain. End quote. Santi is standing standing on the water, staring out. He continues speaking, quote, something dead which still seems to be alive, an emotion suspended in time, like a blurred photograph, like an like an insect trapped in amber. End quote. Jacinto is dead in the water with the with his photos on the surface. The boys leave out of the orphanage to make their their way down the road, the ghosts of Casadas staying behind, watching them as they walk away, calling himself a ghost. Then credits. Woo wee. So damn good. Woo wee. So sad. It is sad. a sad movies. Yeah. Um, but I uh I still think this movie's just fine. I like it a lot. As I you should. No, this movie's really good. This movie is a good movie. Like it's I agree. Not, I agree it's, it's a good movie. Very well done, but it's just uh it's just like I can wait as long as I waited from college to watch this or from high school yeah, really to watch this again. It's not there. Yeah, like I don't need to watch this again. Yeah. But I got some motherfucking movie facts for us here. Movie, movie facts. <laughs> During, uh, described by Guillermo del Toro as being a sibling film to, oh, I said this earlier, a sibling film to Pan's Labyrinth, um, this being the brother film and that being the sister. In order to make Fernando T- um, Tilve cry, if he was, uh, he, if he was unable to, Guillermo del Toro would complain of his acting skills out loud and express his disappointment with his work. Damn, it's fucked. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> was strongly inspired um, by the director's personal memories, especially his relationship with his uncle, who supposedly came back as a ghost. Um, oh, here we go. The design of the ghost was inspired by the white faced spirits of Japanese horror films like Juon and Ringu. Hey. There you go. We got that one. Hey. The film title refers to the medical condition of Spina Bifida. Cool. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has said that this is his favorite movie of his own. Wow. Wow. Good for him. Very interesting. That's awesome that he has a favorite movie of his, which is great. Guillermo del Toro has said um, of the characters in his film, quote, all of the good guys in the film had the initial C. And I wanted wanted to have Hansito and Jaime to share the same initial because Jaime is a bully that chooses to change, unlike the unlike his grown up counterpart. Yeah, end quote. Huh. That's what we talked about. Damn. Uh, let's get let's get a decent one, and we're going to conclude with that. One of the main characters of the film is played by uh, Federico Lupi, who um, who was in Kronos as Jesus Chris, as well as as well as uh, what. They wrote that wrong. As well as he played Manny in Mimic. He would later play a role of Pan's Labyrinth as the king of the underworld. In short, he portrayed an important father figure uh, role in all of Guillermo's films that were filmed in Spanish. It's really That's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Fred, uh, Federico Lupi is actually also uh, dead as well. He's no longer with us. But um, he was a fantastic actor. 
I yeah. love him. Like when I first saw him in Chronos, I was blown away. Where I was just like, dude, you're good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're good. Uh but yeah, let us know what you think about the Devil's Backbone over on Twitter at Nightlight underscore pod. That's night with a K. Because we definitely want to keep this conversation going. And this was a decent-sized episode. We had a lot to talk about. Yeah, but the, for the next month that we are going to go, including, we're going to kind of go back to Christmas. But not really. We're Christmas really not. Me. It's going to be Christmas <laughs> for, for uh, David for sure, because this whole month is actually dedicated to David. Hey. But the next month, we're actually going to be diving head first into possession films. Oh, baby. My favorite. I can't wait. The name that I have for this is Fantastic. Forgive me, Father. <laughs> Forgive me. Forgive me, Father. Month is happening next month, and we're going to start this off with the last exorcism. Forgive me, Father Christmas. <laughs> Forgive me, Father Christmas. <laughs> oh, Santa. <laughs> but this was Nightlight, or maybe podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knights. Along as ever, we had David. Stay spooky, everyone. Always and forever. Also known as Nightly. Other in there, we have Freddie. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us with five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over on patreon.com slash goodnightlife. That's not what they would. By pledging on Patreon, you'll have access to the show at free and as early as Monday with a post show. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. An episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world and remember everybody don't forget your nightlight